Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. <laughs> yeah, podcast can be that way, uh, uh, Tuttle. Yeah, I won't tell you what he said right before we got on air, but uh, we are going to open things up. And what we should have right now is actually... Uh, a ticking clock because not for the time bombs that are going off but because the trade deadline is approaching us it is the 30th and the 31st will be that trade deadline if i was a better analyst and a better purveyor of trade deadlines i'd give you an exact moment when that clock will tick and go off and you can't make any more trades but i'm not that good but i know the trade deadline is tomorrow because i myself was a trade deadline trade in 2005 from the san diego padres to the chicago white Sox, i had no idea and that is the the god's honest truth is that uh, i knew the deadline was coming i knew my name was kind of being thrown around as kind of a peripheral type maybe get guy uh, as far as a utility player and i believe i hit a sack no i didn't hit a sack fly i believe i flew out against aaron harang when he was on the cincinnati reds and that night i came in started to tie my shoe and I got the tap on the shoulder and I proceeded to go in and get the news from Bruce Bochy that I was being traded to the Chicago White Sox. And 2005 was an incredible year for me because the, the triplets were born and I got to go and eventually win a World Series with the Chicago White Sox. It was just weird for me because I got traded from a first place team in the West to the first place team in the American League Central. So it was kind of cool at the end of the year to get two playoff checks. So I highly recommend if you can get traded from a first place team to a first place team, you go ahead and do it. But uh, the time is upon us. Tuttle, how you been? I know you're on vacation, man. You're grinding it out. You're sitting on your perch in the front of the window trying to get the best Wi-Fi spot, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Blummer. Um, you know, vacation is vacation. I really like the podcast, so uh, I picked the only hotel in America that doesn't have good Wi-Fi. Uh, maybe that's not true, but uh, struggling here with my hotspot, so hopefully the folks don't uh, get on us too much about the sound and the sound quality. Blummer, I knew I liked you for a lot of reasons, but I was also a trade deadline uh, acquisition. I happened to be an A-ball at the time, and Aaron Boone was my roommate with the Reds, so we're both playing for the Reds. And um, I got traded for David Wells, one of your former teammates and friends, and Mark Lewis. Uh, basically, it was David Wells for Mark Lewis, David Tuttle, and a player to be named later. I, I wasn't the player to be named later, but uh, similar experience. I had no playoff check, no any of that stuff, but calling you in on the deadline. It's a weird experience. Like you said, I think aside from the money um, and the fame and the glory and the scrutiny that big leaguers fall under, uh, I, I think I was warming up at the bullpen and then they shut me down and brought another guy in. And then at the end of the game, they called me in the office and uh, Tuttle. And I, I had no idea what was going on. You just have no idea. So similar to you, it's a, it's a little bit of a blindsiding uh, kind of experience, but another commonality we have, and you had a Aaron Harang, a Reds experience. I was already four years retired by the time you got traded on the deadline. Um, but I was traded in, I want to say, let's see, 94, 95 on the deadline. I got to look it up too. See, another problem with getting old, can't remember anything, but I was traded in 1994 or 95 on the trade deadline for David Wells. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have David Wells on the podcast one day and he can explain what an honor it was to be traded on the same day as Dave Tuttle and Mark Lewis. 
that would be highly entertaining just on its face because David Wells is one of the more entertaining people, but it would also be kind of funny to put him on the spot. He's been traded a couple times, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to know if he knew who he was traded for, you know, because there are several guys that get in there. I was traded for a double-A left-handed pitcher named Ryan Moe. Uh, the, 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 that trade to the Chicago White Sox. When I got traded from Montreal to Houston, it was for Chris Truby. Man, there was one other trade in there that I can't... Oh, uh, I got traded for Brandon Backey from Houston to Tampa Bay. So I got traded three times, and we do have that experience. It's awkward. Everybody asks, how hard is it? It might be a little bit easier these days because, like you said, the money's a little bit different, and there's so much turnover and roster turnover with these guys that uh, you don't get stuck with one ball club for a while and really ingrain yourself. There will be those moments, like we saw with the Lance Berkman trade a while back, Roy Oswald, Hunter Pence. I think we're right on the anniversary of the Hunter Pence trade going to Philadelphia. But those are those are the, the ones where you come up with an organization and then, and then you get traded away. Those are the really hard ones, I think, for guys who establish themselves and really become, you know, not, not necessarily loyal, but definitely become a part of the story of, of a franchise before they get traded. But it's it's bound to happen. And we've had some tough situations here recently with the Houston Astros, but I've got an update. The last couple of podcasts, we've talked about Jake Marisnik quite a bit in his entire situation. His suspension finally came down and they denied the suspension or denied the appeal and he will be filling his two game suspension. So all that effort, all that time, he will be filling out, uh, he will be fulfilling his suspension with the two-game suspension. I believe it starts Tuesday and Wednesday here in Cleveland immediately. So the Astros will be playing a man down with a 24-man roster with Jake Marisnik being suspended for two games. And it's kind of interesting to me, and I think Major League Baseball is sending a message saying, we don't care what you did, how you did it. We are going to put down the suspension. You're going to be suspended. Uh, Tuttle, your thoughts on that? I think we've covered this a few times. I think, uh, mistake or not, there's probably some punishment in order because, as you said, he, you know, he broke the rule, and the rules in place to, uh, you know, keep the safety of the players up. He he broke their idea of the rule. Yeah, I mean, so there's interpretation. That's fair. That's fair. I was watching a Giants game this weekend, and uh, they turned a double play, and uh, Tatis Jr. like stuck out his forearm. Like so, he was sliding right into the bag, but he just stuck his forearm out and hit, uh, uh, hit the second baseman right in the thigh. And of course, Joe West was behind the plate. Joe West always in the middle of controversy, but they went to the videotape for that and they ruled him out as well because it wasn't in the act of he didn't flip the second baseman, he didn't slide away from the bag, and you know he put up put up his arm almost to kind of protect himself. But he, you know, he extended his arm. It's kind of like soccer or basketball where those guys, you know, if you extend your arm, you're going to get your, you know, you're going to get in trouble. So that's a new rule. We talked about this old school thing. And as you just said about Mariznik, um, he broke their rule. But I guess I, I think we've touched on it a few times. The, you know, if your kid walks across the street and doesn't get hit by a car, but they don't look both ways, you're still going to put some punishment in place. I don't think it was intentional, and maybe Major League Baseball doesn't care whether it was intentional. They just feel like, look, this is the rule. This is our inter- interpretation of the rule, and he's going to be suspended. And I think you thought maybe one game would be okay for that, but, you know, that's still debatable. Yep, they they stuck to their guns. They're going to give him that two-game suspension. My curiosity is with now with Noe Ramirez, who was suspended, I believe, five game, four or five games uh, for hitting Jake up around the head area. 
you know, now is an opportunity for them to stick to their guns, go ahead and lay out the punishment for Noe Ramirez, make him stick to it and not let his appeal go through. So we'll wait and see on that one. So Jake will be out the next two days here in Cleveland. The other news is Tyler White was designated for assignment. The Los Angeles Dodgers picked him up. There was a minor league trade with him. I believe uh, the kid's name was Scrub, which is kind of ironic uh, being in that trade. Well, yeah, I, I mean, my name could have been Scrub in the David Wells trade, so I think you're you're possibly right. But I did see a post about Scrub. I think he's like 6'5", 265. So uh, we can call him Scrub on this podcast, but we're not going to call him Scrub to his face. Yeah, he sounds like a large, imposing figure. Hopefully he has a, a you know, a nice career with the Houston Astros. We'll wait and see. But it's one of those trades that uh, just kind of goes by the wayside because you DFA'd a guy like Tyler White. Best of luck to him. Uh, another great dude. Hopefully he lives in Houston the offseason because I have played golf with him a couple of times. Good dude. It'd be good to get hook up with him and see what's going on. But it's kind of ironic, you know, that you trade a guy like Tyler White to a perennial World Series contending team, and you wonder if the trade was just made for the by the Dodgers to say, hey, Tyler, before we put you in that big league uniform, would you could you give us any information about the Houston Astros that might help us move forward? Have you ever thought about that? I think about that all the time. I think about it more with football for some reason, but there's no doubt. I mean, if you're going to even put the guy in AAA, and if he has any sort of inkling of – I don't, not just bitterness, just, hey, I'm with a new ball club and this is, you know, the things. Yeah, what's what are some of the ins and outs? I mean, definitely. And and when it comes down to, like you said, game six, game seven of a playoff series or the World Series, I mean, any little bit helps. I think last year there was a discussion about uh, Alex Cora managing the, the Astros with, uh, I mean, being eight, uh, sorry, managing the Astros. That's A.J. Hinch's job. Um, with A.J. Hinch having Alex Cora as such a confidant when they were in Houston. And last year, didn't uh, the left fielder made a great play in the game, and they, they, they kind of slowed down the video, and he had moved five feet to his left right before the pitch, right? I mean, that, all that stuff comes down to whether you win or lose the World Series. Nailed it. No, that's exactly right. There was a lot of talk about that, and you're right. It was interesting to watch the replay of – Benintendi out there in left field on Alex Bregman kind of at the last minute came charging in about four or five steps and he that those were the four or five steps that allowed him to get that glove underneath and take away the base hit and potential RBIs from Alex Bregman man yeah so it was it was Benintendi and Bregman that's right always B's in this thing it's like Blum and you know Berkman and Bagwell and Biggio and Benintendi and Berkman I mean or uh uh, Bregman, I could just go on and on. Um, that's really funny. So they could have got him for that. They also could have got him because he looks exactly like uh, their power hitter too, like Tyler White. You know, one from each side of the plate. It's the kind of guy they like, right? That that they got him off the scrap heap, and now he's an all star. Why can't I think of his name either? I guess because I'm on vacation. It is. You've got vacation, Brandon. You're on the West Coast, so you're up incredibly early uh, taping this thing. But it's Max Muncie. And, you know, it's, that's actually an interesting point because they took Max Muncy. I believe he was came from the Oakland A's and they rejuvenated his career. Who's to say they can't do that for Tyler White? Because we've seen flashes of brilliance from Tyler with with the Astros. But uh, I agree with you when they put him in that uniform and he gets down on that stance right handed. He could be a mirror image of Max Muncy. It'd be nice if he produced the same. Yeah. And I will tell you, if Jock Peterson quits running out baseballs, then uh then uh, they're going to just put Tyler White right in there and use his hustle regardless of how fast he is. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. Boom, fire being thrown right there. Tuttle, no, I didn't see that at all. 
and I, I see it a little more often these days, but uh, uh, yeah, you can't take anything for granted when you're running down the base. Just give it, I mean, don't give it 100%, but it, you got to give it at least 75, at least give the, the idea that you're giving some effort. Well, we all know that fake effort, like when your kids are trying to lift something, like, you know, that little, that squinty face and move your arms real quick. Like, you know, do something like that it was nine one, I guess. And Jock Peterson, yeah, I wash, give it the eye wash. That's right. Jock Peterson, nine one ball game, decided not to run out of ground ball. And uh, Doc, Doc was having none of that. Dave Roberts said, sit on the bench, son. Yeah, good for Dave Roberts. You know, he he does have a, a little bit of a code he wants those guys to stick to. And you've got to, you've got to keep the impression. I know it's we're getting close to August, the dog days, whatever, but you've got to continue to hustle out because there's going to be that one kid in the stands that looks down and goes, huh, Jock Peterson walking to first base. That doesn't look too good. You know, then that's all it takes to, to shift a guy's idea of who you are, and you don't want that. So hustle, always hustle. That's the one thing. It's amazing. This deep into baseball, like, the history of the game, the one thing we go back to is hustle. I, I always think that separates teams, right? Hustle and chemistry. And I, and I think, to your point, yes, you don't want a kid seeing it. I mean, how many times have you done a baseball camp? You and I have done millions of baseball camps, and you see the kids doing the one-hand catch. And typically, you'll see guys do that on a dive or whatever. But I, I still am teaching my kids and my daughter who plays uh, softball and baseball. Like, I'm teaching her to use two hands. And it's that one time, and we just talked about Game 6 of the World Series where Bregman, you know, Ben Attendee moves over, Bregman hits the ball. The reason we're telling him to hustle is not because, well, partly because you want to set a good, good example, but mostly because it might come down to Game 4 or 5, and you hit a three-hopper at the second baseman, and he catches it cleanly and then throws it in the dugout, but you weren't running, or, you know, he bobbles it, and if you were running, you're safe. And that that's really what it is. It's that one time out of a million that the guy's going to clank it and you don't do the eyewash hustle, then you're in trouble. Yep, that could be the difference at times. But right now we are in the trade deadline mode right now. And I know the Astros are a team. There's actually about six or seven teams in the American League that are really contending. And then there's kind of a, there's a handful that are maybe on the bubble thinking about it. And then you've got teams, there's seven teams around the bottom of the league that you just are looking to get rid of some players and get a nice return as far as prospects are concerned, because that's really what this trade deadline has turned into. How do I trade some big league talent, get some young talent that can possibly uh, move up the list and get onto my team pretty quickly in the future to contribute? Um, the latest casualty for the Houston Astros, though, much like Tyler White, was Tony Kemp. When Carlos Correa came off the uh, I.L., Tony Kemp was a guy that took the bullet and was DFA'd, and he's still in that purgatory of that seven-day window where they have the option to trade him. And I would imagine that he is always he is constantly being the guy thrown into some of these trade talks because he is available for the Houston Astros. If he does not get traded, I'm not sure if he has the option to go to free agency afterwards, but his name is definitely going to be out there. So don't be surprised if in the next day or so that you hear about Tony Kemp kind of being a guy in a trade going to another team to try and bring back some uh, pitching, which is paramount, I think, not right now for the Astros. Garrett Cole, Wade Miley, Justin Verlander, three outstanding starters for the Houston Astros. They want one more going down the stretch through August and September and into the postseason. There are some names floating around there. I'm going to go through a couple of them right now real quick because i'm not sure that they're going to be the guys it would take something miraculous or something insane and by insane you'll probably know who i'm talking about but uh noah Syndergaard is a guy for me who's going to garner too much he, he has club control for another year 
He's going to cost you a fortune in arbitration, but so what? This guy is a guy who will be with your team through all of next season so he can kind of replace, in the Astros instance, a guy like Garrett Cole if he gets away to free agency. So you have a way to get Verlander, Syndergaard, Lance McCullers, and and maybe Wade Miley, who's a free agent at the end of the season. So Syndergaard for me is going to cost too much as far as big league talent and uh, and uh, prospect talent. They're going to ask for Kyle Tucker. They're going to ask possibly for Forrest Whitley, some of these other guys. Abreu is another name I hear being thrown around. But Tuttle, do you, are you in on the Syndergaard, giving away all your prospects for a guy like Syndergaard? Uh, I'm not. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before. Proven commodity versus prospect is always a nice thing. Um, you know, I don't know who, if they have their finger on the pulse of Garrett Cole. I mean, you know, I thought Kevin Durant was happy in Golden State and he couldn't leave fast enough even when he blew out his Achilles. So Garrett Cole may, like you said, test free agency and may go somewhere else. And may, he, maybe he doesn't like being the number two behind Verlander. My thought from a fan standpoint, and you brought up a really good point, which is August and September – I was thinking that they could stick with their three starters in the playoffs, but I guess they got to get there first and they got to make sure that they, you know, they got to make sure that they exceed expectations, uh, maybe looking for that number one or two seed heading into the playoffs. Because uh, I was thinking you could go into the playoffs with Verlander, Cole, and Miley and strengthen the bullpen, have a nice long guy and make sure your closer and your setup guy are tight. So um I think if you have to give up all that stuff, it's probably, you know, Syndergaard's probably a stretch and it might be uh, too challenging for them. Yeah, and getting into the playoffs, to Tuttle's point, when you are talking about getting into a short series, that first series, that division series, it's three best three out of five. So you can get away with that three-man rotation. It's for me, when you get into the the seven-game series where you want to have that four starter to be able to compete, try and get deep, or else your bullpen's getting blown to pieces in that fourth game, and then you've got to turn right back around and have a quick start with uh, your your number one going again. So I think that's the idea, and I think that's the way the Astros kind of handled it. They kind of massaged it a little bit. They were they were lucky to have Lance McCullers healthy, Charlie Morton in 2017. They kind of flipped and flopped those guys as far as who the matchup was in the American League Championship Series and then who the matchup was in the World Series. And then they moved that other guy to the bullpen. So there is that way to go out and do that type situation. So they would love to have the depth and the options to be able to pull that off. And the other thing is, too, uh, Brad Peacock is getting close to coming back. So he would be your solid fifth starter. So you would go Cole, Miley, Verlander, trade guy brad peacock and that would be great too but brad peacock's position might also be affected by who they go out and trade for because peacock is a guy if you can move him into the bullpen and get two or three innings out of him and out of the bullpen that that creates a whole bunch of depth for guys out in the bullpen and becomes that bridge guy and then you can just keep uh jose urquidy in that fifth spot and just try and salvage that fifth spot and maybe make it a little bit of a bullpen day behind him so it's kind of interesting but one of the guys I think really took his name out of the play, out of the uh, trade situation we're going to see here in uh, Cleveland is Trevor Bauer. And I'm not sure if you saw the video, but uh, he got blown up in one inning. Terry Francona was on his way to the mound. He threw one ball to the backstop. And then when he saw Terry Francona coming out of the dugout, he turned around and buggy whipped a ball from the mound out of Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City in center field. What do you got on that, Tuttle? Is that enough to discourage you from trading for a guy like Trevor Bauer? And granted, he's got a pretty long history of, of uh, some, you know, questionable uh, moves. 
Yeah, I think we've touched on this last podcast, or we did touch on this. I know this is just our trade deadline special here, but, uh, you know, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer have a history from uh, UCLA, and I think it's pretty well known that Garrett Cole mentioned that Trevor's kind of an odd bird, and, you know, maybe he is. Uh, it really has to do with, as you discussed, you know, if he's going to go out there every fifth day and give you everything he has, I mean, it really has to do with chemistry and uh, trust. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what throwing the ball out over center field does for for trust that he had built up or, you know, any sort of equity that he had anyway, because I think most people thought he was kind of a strange dude. Uh, I, I think some people could say, I love it. I love the competitive spirit. I love this. I love that. But you could tell that uh, Francona was not happy. And as soon as Bauer saw his face, he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And he, like, pat him on the shoulder. And Terry Francona made it a point instead of just covering his mouth and saying whatever. He pointed to the dugout, like, you get off this mound and get to the dugout. Like, he gestured. And it was like, all right. So, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I don't know how much that one incident affects the uh, the trade deadline or the trade uh, value for Bauer. I mean, I, you might be able to speak to that more, but that was not maybe Trevor wants to stay in Cleveland. And that was his way to say, you know what, I'm going to stay in Cleveland. If I throw this ball out there, people are going to think I'm crazy and I don't have to get traded anyway. So I, I don't know. That was a that was an unusual incident and probably not uh, from a timing perspective, probably not the best thing. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, it piles on to the fire that people like to build around Trevor Bauer that, uh, you know, he might be a little aloof or out of touch with things or selfish or whatever you want to call it. But yes, he was very remorseful. You could definitely see it in his eyes when he saw the anger in the eyes of Tito Francona. Uh, we are here in Cleveland, at least I am, with uh, the Houston Astros, so I'm sure there will, will be some talk about it. But, uh, you know, you touched on it briefly. I love the competitiveness of the guy. That is one thing I don't think that any of us can doubt. He wants to go out there. He wants to talk trash. He wants to go out there and compete. He wants to prove he's better. If he isn't, he tips his cap to the other guys. So there are some redeeming qualities in there, but I'm just not sure if – the numbers justify bringing that kind of, of of personality into your clubhouse. So we will move on from that. So the little more likable or the more little more realistic trades for me are going to be Zach Wheeler from the New York Mets. AJ Hinch has, by the way, has a connection with the New York Mets and Brody Van Wagenen, the uh, GM for the New York Mets, they have a personal relationship, so there might be, I don't know if they actually even, you know, try and use that relationship to make a trade, but, uh, they're, you know, maybe that's the last step that it takes to make the trade happen is having that relationship and that conversation. But that being said, I believe Zach Wheeler is the guy. I believe that he is a, a maxed effort guy. He really fits the mold of what the Astros try and go out and do with guys like Cole and Verlander. He's a max effort, pumps, averages 97 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, the spin rates on his curveballs are up there. They like that. They know how to work with that. They know how to make it better and throw it for strikes because, the, you know, there used to be a theme for the Houston Astros. You know, I used it quite a bit. It's spin to win, baby. And when you get into the postseason, you see guys take big hacks. If you can spin, you can, you can miss some bats in key situations with runners in scoring position, and that's what they like. He's also – a, I think he's just a rental, so he's only going to be around for a couple of months, which maybe you don't have to spend as much to get that guy in return, uh, pick up that salary, which is modest right now, maybe a couple of million dollars. The other guy is the left-handed pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Robbie Ray. 
He's highly appealing because he, he averages, I think, 93 miles an hour on his fastball. He's a 200, a proven 200 strikeout guy. The only thing against him is he walks a ton of guys. Uh, he's a little more of an interesting possible trade situation where you don't have to give up the world to get that guy in return. And he signed through 2020. Uh, and the other guy, the last guy that really doesn't pop out to me because he hasn't done anything really to overwhelm me, even though he has good numbers, is Matthew Boyd. But I'm not sure if you've got any thoughts on those guys, uh, Tuttle, but uh, those are my three possibilities. And in order, Zach Wheeler, Robbie Ray, and then Matt Boyd. And, of course, we're talking specifically for the Astros, obviously. But, the uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's other things that can happen in the world here. But for the Astros, I, I you know, I like all those guys. It's funny, but the most active team so far has been the Mets, right? So they got Stroman. Syndergaard they're talking about they just traded away Jason Vargas who can't deal with the media anyway but he's going to Philadelphia so I mean out of the last three days the only team that's moving any parts around um, are the Mets whether it makes sense or not right to add Stroman to the Mets and get rid of Vargas I don't know but uh, so if if Brody Van Wagenen is in in the mix here it sounds like he's wheeling and dealing already um, and you have some insight into Zach Wheeler and A.J. Hinch's relationship. I mean, that seems like it would be a good fit. I love that we're talking about velocity and spin rate. Obviously, those things are important. The person we've never mentioned on this podcast is uh, Brent Strom, and he must do a really good job with those guys, and I'm sure they trust him um, imminently because, you know, you mentioned spin rate. I mean, he must like, all right, I want a guy that can do this, this, and this, and then I can hone that in or I can sharpen that. So, uh, you know, I mean – like I said, that's probably some insight that you have from being around the guys and being around the clubhouse and seeing it. Um, I don't know if I ever knew what my spin rate on my curveball or my slider was. Maybe that's why uh, I'm an unknown uh, entity here. Instead of you know, you know how it is. Like when you work on things like swing, you never were like, oh yeah, I got I, you know, I backspin that ball and the, you know the exit velocity must have been you know ABC. I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of funny, but uh, uh, you know, Robbie Ray, Zach Wheeler, both appealing. I really liked your point about the fourth guy for the playoffs. I obviously I was saying you guys could make it through with three starters and, you know, strengthen the bullpen. But I think when I started thinking back about history and about teams that do it well, you got to have, I mean, it's at least three solid starters. And then that long guy flex guy, which you were saying, like a guy like Peacock who can start a game and go five or six, or he can also come out and, you know, give you three or four innings in a, in a long situation, uh, a long roll out of the bullpen. So I think uh, the Astros are barking up the right tree, which is getting a, another guy. Uh, it'll just really depend on how much they have to give up. And, you know, I think Zach Wheeler's probably at the top of the list, the way the Mets are going. Yeah, and and like you said, with them picking up Stroman, it was kind of a, a weird, odd case. I mean, they didn't give up much to get him either. They don't have one of the strongest – minor league systems in baseball yet they traded away their fourth and sixth prospects i think which are probably well down the top 100 or whatever they talk about these days but uh, the astros have more to give but it might be a situation where the the mets are saying if the more we accrue the more we can give out and get back hopefully or maybe they are planning for a big offseason move but and having these guys in the rotation uh, is highly appealing to them it might be a ticket situation, too. The team isn't playing very well. If they bring in a Long Island guy like Stroman, maybe there's more butts in the seats. That could be it also. But at the same time, I agree they had to get rid of Vargas. He was a little bit – I don't know if he was a cancer in the clubhouse, but if that situation kind of escalated a little bit and they may have needed to separate themselves from that situation and get Vargas out of there. But it's funny you go from a tough 
media market in New York with the match to the Philadelphia Phillies who fans will let you have it if you're not performing at the right level. There's all kinds of moves to be made and we don't know if the Astros are even willing to pull the trigger on some of these guys. This is all speculation on our part, but a lot of fun to talk about because the Astros are definitely in a position to be able to go out there and get guys that they want because they do have the minor league system that is highly appealing to a lot of teams around the league. It's just a matter of whether, whether or not they want to give it up for now, risk, risk the future, and get those guys now. Uh, the one more guy, one more position that I do want to talk about before we we end this this trade deadline pod, podcast of Bleacher's Blums is the catching situation. I'm a Max Stassi fan. I think he handles pitchers well. I think he calls a great game. I think he can frame it up. He does a good job behind the plate. Love the guy's personality. Obviously doesn't rock the boat. But there is an issue with the offensive side. He hasn't had many opportunities, and when he has, they just haven't—they haven't come to fruition. It's been a tough road for him, and I'm—I'm I'm kind of wondering if the Astros are feeling that the catcher position might be some place that they also go out and try and get. And the name I keep hearing is a guy who was with the Astros last year, is Martin Maldonado. The Cubs might be looking to shop him around a little bit, but I believe that catching might be—you know—keep that in in mind. Moving down with so much focus on the pitchers, don't forget that the Astros might go out there and get that catcher. Yeah, good thought. I, I think, um, well, I mean, you always want a guy that's comfortable with your pitchers, and I, I think we've seen it with the Dodgers over the past couple of years. That's the one that jumps to mind is last year, um, you know, their switch hitter just stopped hitting whatsoever. So they just, you know, they'll throw in anybody that can catch the guys and hit during the playoffs. So I, I, I'm just blanking on names. I'm on vacation. Who, who did they, who was their switch hitter? Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, so Grandal basically didn't play at all in the playoffs last year, and he was their guy all year. So to have two guys, because obviously Chirinos, I think, based on our pre-season podcast, Chirinos has certainly exceeded expectations. Because we remember we discussed like Stassi and Chirinos, like, oh, we don't know what they're going to get out of these guys. Chirinos has done really well, but to add Martin Maldonado, who's familiar with the staff, and probably an extra bat, uh, certainly more of a bat than Max Stassi than Oh yeah, and he can fire guys out, but uh, you know certainly certainly would be a, a welcome addition, I, I think, to any any team, especially the Astros in this scenario. Yep, I agree. The arm they call uh, Martin Maldonado the machete because he cuts down runners. You know, so he's got the arm and the ability to at least make those base runners think a little bit. And what that does, and tell you, you could probably talk to this a little bit too, is how much it alleviates the pressure on the pitcher to have to be quick to home plate because you guys are already thinking about how do I execute this pitch? And then you got to add on top of that. If I, if I start to be quick to home plate, how much does that really affect your mechanics? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we used to talk about that all the time, right? How quick are you to home plate? And if you got a guy that can throw guys out, as you know, just an, a, a welcome addition to the, to the team, especially from a pitcher standpoint. Um, you know, we didn't talk about any of their teams, which is fine. Uh, I was going to say the Giants basically after our last podcast said that they, now I don't know if it was uh, Farhan that said it, but I don't know if the Giants, I think the Giants basically took themselves out of the trademark. They basically said they want to add and not subtract, but I don't know if that was the media. And then as we mentioned, some of the players saying, oh yeah, you know, we want to keep Bumgarner around. We want to keep Will Smith around and see what we can do with this. Um, they, they won another series. So they're, they're continuing their streak to uh, attempt to catch the Dodgers, but certainly grab that wild card spot. But it'll be interesting to see because I think a lot of that was the team kind of saying, yeah, we want to keep this together for Bochi and we want to kind of, you know, let's let's 
but sometimes you know how that is. The team is a little unrealistic. I think Farhan might be up in his office going, all right, if I can get a good move here, I'm going to prepare for the future. So that, that that's kind of an interesting little twist for the Giants is that they all year long we've been talking about Bumgarner and Will Smith being moved at the deadline. And now it appears that the uh, that the moves may have gone silent, but we still have that 24 hours to find out. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And yes, we do focus on the Houston Astros quite a bit on this podcast, obviously, because I'm so close to the situation and concerned and a fan. But it's good to get that outside perspective that Tuttle's talking about. In the American League, I feel like the Yankees are really the team to beat for the Houston Astros. You know, the Minnesota Twins are tough. They can they can swing the bats. But I feel like the Astros lineup, which is going to be fully healthy tonight in Cleveland, competing against what the Minnesota Twins bring is is appealing. But I feel like they can shut down their offense. But the Yankees, for me, is are really that team that is extremely tough. And why, why Robbie Ray is appealing to me is, amazingly enough, with all the right-handed power hitters, that the Yankees have, they have a tough time against left-handed pitchers. I don't know what, why that is or what that is. I'd have to dig a little bit and maybe watch a couple more ball games against left-handed pitching. But those the, the Yankees are the team for me. And it, and a lot of these trade rumors, I know you're reading them on Twitter too. It's the Astros and Yankees are interested in Robbie Ray. The Astros and Yankees are interested in Zach Wheeler. It's they seem to be kind of aiming for the same guys. And I wonder how much of this is going to be, you know. Are we willing to give up enough to make sure that we get the guy and the Yankees don't get the guy? You know, that's kind of the competition that might come down here in the last couple hours of the trade deadline. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, that, that, that's an excellent point. I think what there's there's a couple of things there with the, uh, when it comes down to playoff time, you know very well it's matchups. And it's not just pitcher-hitter matchups, but it's matchups from teams. I mean, you have, you have that comfort zone and yep. so it's like oh yeah verlander's you know 20 and 0 versus this team it's like great yeah we will throw them out on the mound and we can win that matchup and then I, I had this individually there was guys that couldn't hit anybody else but they could rake me and then there were guys that were super successful 300 hitters that i could get out almost every time they didn't like hitting off me so you know that that ownage part comes in that comes into play quite often so i think I think matchups are obviously key. And, you know, you mentioned Robbie Ray. I mean, the reason you got to worry about the Yankees is because they're savages. I mean, that's that's the reason. But otherwise, you know, I don't know about the Twins or the Indians or anybody else, but the, the, the Yankees are savages, so watch out, Strohs. And that's what we got. This is just a quick Bleacher Blums. We wanted to give you guys our opinions, our updates, and maybe throw some names out there that maybe you haven't been hearing. But I'm sure that all of you are very educated and very curious and checking out Twitter and some of those stories and some of the articles on MLB.com about some of the trades that might be going down. But uh, make sure you stay engaged. Let us know your thoughts. You can reach at RealDavidTuttle on Twitter at that handle at real david tuttle and also i am on twitter at blummer 27 also on instagram you can find us with those same handles it has been a good quick podcast it's been a good quick conversation about trades with david tuttle who is on vacation man cutting out some time for us good chatting with you great insight what do you got planned what do you got left to say and what do you got planned the rest of the day yeah, not a whole lot left to say. A little uh, surfing today, and um, I will say, let's let's see where all this goes. I'm I actually in the middle of the podcast. I mentioned that you know it was very heavy on the Astros, but most of our followers, most of our listeners, uh, came from you and your Astros broadcast. So it'll be really interesting to see what comes to fruition 
and we'll see if we're soothsayers or fortune tellers or if we have no idea what we're talking about. But in two days, our next podcast, two or three days next week, we'll figure out, uh, you know, what's happened. So uh, I would just say yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully just like our Marisnik insight, you know, we're, we're dead on. Zach Wheeler is going to be your guy and we didn't have to give up too much. Uh, anyway, so I would just say don't bet on it, but uh, let's tune in for the next Bleacher Blums podcast and see see where we see see where the chips fall. Absolutely, man, we're going to be on a hot streak. If they end up getting Zach Wheeler, a lot of people are going to start tuning into us, and maybe they're not going to say don't bet on it. They're going to ask us to bet on it. But uh, always good. Appreciate you, Tuttle. Get back to the kids. Get back to the family. And, and catch a couple of waves for me. I miss doing that. And uh, enjoy your time out there on the left coast. But for right now, we are done with Bleacher Blums. That was your trade deadline podcast. Enjoy your time. Keep your ears tuned to all the moves that are going to be being made. I can't wait to see what happens. And we'll talk to you at the end of the week after some of these trades are done. Most of all, you know, Tuttle and I, he says don't bet on it. I say get after it and believe it. Just through.